Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 187. I am your host, Blaine Pudney. I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hi, Treg. Hello. How you doing? Great. Um, just got back from hockey. We won. <laughs> Nothing How like... How did you win? Pudsey wasn't playing. Well, that's why we won. Oh, oh I but, thought you uh, played against him. No, no. We played against a decent goalie. <clears throat> Nothing like giving up an 11 to 1 lead to win 11 to 10, let me tell you. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. A cross score, not a hockey score. Well, defense wasn't a thing. Let's put it that way. Let me guess you guys went up 11 1 and decided to protect the lead. We went up 11 to 1, and then somebody's wife carted over a case of beer behind the bench. <laughs> And then things went downhill. Gotcha. We're, uh, the team is sponsored by Molson. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> but kicked off the season with a win. Anyway, uh, for, for those who noticed, Matt is not here. He is still at work. He just texted me. He just finished. So, it's pretty sad. He just couldn't make it. Oh, well. We'll get more hits on the uh, on the podcast and the YouTube channel then. That's all. We'll have to work on that. So, anyway, to the show. This episode, we've got a little bit of a mishmash, a, a jumble, if you will. Um. Some items, you know, the uh, the rookie camp is done. 
Uh, Drouet had his big uh, interview. So let's just dive right in. We'll start it off with Jonathan Drouet and his interviews with Chantal Maccabé, uh, with TVA. So he did uh, a, a few French language interviews. Uh, did you watch any? I watched the English one he did with Chantal. So, because yeah. he did do an English version of the interview with Chantal Maccabee. Okay. So I uh, I watched that one. Um, I am I was a fan of Drew in before it happened. I'm a bigger fan now. Uh, I hope he has a really successful season. As someone who also deals with anxiety with OCD, I know where he's coming from. Uh, his way of coping was insomnia. Well, and that's not really coping, but you think it's coping. Uh, you know, staying up all night thinking over and over and over again what you need to do, what you can't do, what you should do. Um, and props for him for coming out and, uh, you know, uh, giving a voice to other people who could be in the same situation. Yeah. Um, myself, personally, I deal with my own personal demons, my own mental health issues. And when you have someone as high profile as Jonathan Drouet coming out, admitting some of his his problems it takes some of that stigma away because yeah. people it, it's still it's still seen as a weakness for uh, by a lot of folks out there for some reason but it's just an illness same as you know catching a really bad cold or diabetes these are illnesses that with management are fine so Seeing that, seeing him come out and seeing him bring to light some of these issues, kind of it helps understand some of the reasons why he's had highs and lows the last couple of years. But for me, watching the interviews, um, he seemed a lot more relaxed, a lot more uh, focused, and and just ready. It was like a big weight was lifted off his shoulders. Uh, he points to the uh, trip in Calgary, the three games there, the one where he just went to his, he didn't sleep in three days. Yeah. Uh, then he finally just went to the coach and said, or the trainer and said, I can't, uh, I can't do this. And that's the first step. The first step is recognizing that you need to take a step back from the things that you love or the things you want to do and uh, focus on yourself. And that's what he did. And uh all the props to him. I uh, supported him during while he was out, even when we were only speculating what was wrong. Um, yeah, we got the jersey there for the during the playoffs, uh, and uh, like I say, like I, whatever happens in the season is going to be a success story. Just him getting back on the ice. Uh, so uh, yeah, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to seeing him in the season. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does and. Uh, how he's going to help the team. We all know the talents there now that the demons are out of the way. Hopefully he can bring that talent out in full. And it makes sense too, with the way his seasons were, he'd start off hot, uh, like second season in Montreal. He, he started off hot in January, he hit a wall yeah, and couldn't do anything. Uh, two seasons ago, he will get the wrist injury. So who knows what would happen with that? Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of, you kind of can go back now and say, Oh, okay. Now I know why, you know, this happened or that happened or whatever. But taking, uh, he, he decided to take a step back and step away from hockey 
for yeah. the remainder of the season, no matter how long it was. And you can imagine that that was a pretty big choice. I mean, I know that there's going to be, uh, we have listeners who are Leaf fans who would say, "Pa, guys were lucky to even make the playoffs. But, you know, you look at it as a hockey player. You're not, if you're on the team, you're thinking, okay, this team's making it. This team has a chance. And he still decided, no, I'm going to have to take that, that time to myself. I need a few months. And he had all the support from the team, um, management, players, everybody was behind him 100%. So you have that, that family atmosphere where they're very supportive. And Stefan Riche came out and talked about this, uh, I think it was yesterday. He mentioned how he was going through something very similar back when he was having the, those 50 goal seasons with the Canadian, that 50 goal season with the Canadians. And he brought that, he brought it up to management management said, well, pff, what do you have to complain about? You're a famous hockey player. You're making tons of money and you score 50 goals. Go back on the ice. Different times. That was back in the, the different 80s. times, different times where uh, the it's, stigma was there. And uh, yep. especially as a male, and uh, I think this is one, the mental illness and stuff like that is one thing where I think we could probably put men and males to the forefront uh, because it's, uh, it doesn't, it's not supposed to be seen as manly to uh, come out and say I have issues. I mean, nowadays, I'm hoping nobody still thinks that way. Uh, but there uh, are people that do. But there are people who do. I mean, we're in a very, I guess you could say, manly type uh, job where, uh, I mean, it's better now. Like people don't, uh, like when I came out uh, two years ago with my OCD, I, I got all the support I needed through the military. I got all the support I needed through my chain of command. Um, but that's the thing. And this is why uh, suicide for men is up higher than anyone else. And that's why you know, because men feel that they can't say, hey, something's wrong. You know, I'm dealing with this and I don't know how. Uh, but hopefully with guys like Jonathan Drouin, Stefan Riche, uh, many other famous people, I, I'm not going to name them all off because I can't really. No, but the, the bottom but, line is with the new, with uh, with uh, the stigma coming up a little bit, uh, you can see how it back in the day with Riche, it affected him. He ended up leaving, but here yeah. you have a guy who was able to take a step back, get support, get help. And he's willing to, to try again. And he might, he might end up becoming better than expected because of this. Exactly. I mean, I wrote many articles while he was out and during the yep. off scenes about how probably it'd be best for him to go somewhere else. We talked about it on the show, like the pressure in Montreal and, uh, he had, we, we assumed it was mental health. We weren't wrong, but uh, we didn't know it was anxiety and anxiety is a type of mental health. Like there's many different types of mental health that you need to deal with. But, uh, but he seems willing. He seems, he wants to stay in Montreal. He wants to uh, continue his career in Montreal and I, all the props to him. I mean, that Montreal is a high pressure uh, place to do it. And he wants to stay where he's at doing it. And I applaud him just for that. Uh, he could have very easily said, hey, I have this issue. Once I get it resolved, I think my best thing to do is for me to stay out of Montreal. And uh, I wouldn't fault him for that at all. Um, 
but uh and like i say i i said many times i had many articles that he that should have happened to him and i'm glad it didn't i'm glad he's staying i'm glad he's staying with montreal i'm a big drew i was always a big drew and supporter and i still am now and uh all the best to him yeah and uh i wrote an article on drew's return just uh just yesterday and or no day before yesterday uh, right after the uh the interview came out my article came out and it's about him getting a fresh start. He's reset himself. The team is reset basically for the year. Now on the ice, like off the ice, he's, he's sorted himself out, but now it's about on the ice. He's got a new head coach who he knows very well from his time in Halifax and Dominic Ducharme, uh, who likes to play a more up-tempo style, which fits Drouin's style. So he needs a better fit. So we're at my idea in his fit. I know a lot of people are mentioning Suzuki because they've had prior chemistry, but I think Dvorak is a better fit for a center for him for two reasons. Uh, Dvorak's a shooter and Drew is a playmaker who can take advantage of that. And the other is that Dvorak is a more experienced defensive center and would be, would end up facing off, um, against secondary opposition because people are going to key in on Suzuki as the main center for the Canadian. So getting to play against a second line or a third line would help Drouin to begin the season, at least put up a few points, get his confidence going again. Well, picking back, I, I, when, after I read your article, I had, I, I am going to sometime this week do a, where will he fit in, in the lineup type scenario. Uh, I know you touched on it and, uh, you know, but I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. I all summer was thinking Suzuki with Druin and Caulfield, uh, a highly offensive line. Drew and Suzuki have chemistry. Caulfield, Suzuki have chemistry. Uh, you know, I just think it's a line that could really produce off Canadians. However, it's also going to be a line that you can't really stack up against the top two lines of any other team because although Suzuki is pretty sound defensively, Caulfield is too much of an unknown and Druin, you're going to get what you're going to get. Now, mind you, uh, Druin last year and the year before, I thought his two-way game was not bad at all, really, for Drew. Yeah, it wasn't great by any means, but it wasn't, wasn't uh, it wasn't hurting the team. It wasn't hurting the team. Uh, but when I read your article, I read you said Dvorak and Gallagher. I thought, you know what? That would be a better line uh, because you Gallagher and Dvorak are very good defensively. Uh, Dvorak likes playing with a puck carrier, which drew in. And from what we heard from uh, uh, Jason Paul, Jason Paul uh, last week, Gallagher is a pretty good uh, transitional player as well, which makes sense to me. Uh so it would be very uh, interesting to see him play on that team or sorry, on that line. And uh, uh, I think, I think you're kind of, I think you have something there. And plus it gives him, it, he's not put up against the best defensive line out there. Takes a little bit more pressure off him to get going. And who knows, maybe by Christmas, they move him up onto the Suzuki Caulfield line and away you go. Who knows? But I mean, I can also see him starting on a third line with say a, yeah. uh, with say, I'm saying paling. A lot of people don't agree with me, uh, but I say 
with a paling and say Anderson or something like that on the third line. Or an Eichel, you know, Eichel might be there. <laughs> <laughs> Once he fails his medical in Buffalo and then he, yeah. uh, then he loses his captaincy and then balls rolling. Loose. Yeah. The ball is rolling. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A paling or an Evans. I think that's where we're going to start, but in, as the camp is open now, uh, as of recording today is the 22nd, camp, uh, the main camp is open. Um, and yes, Dvorak was invited. There was just uh, some errors in the uh, <laughs> in the release. They let interns per- fill it out. Perot uh, weighs more than 88 pounds. So he, yeah. Uh... Sorry, Habs laugh. He's more than just a skeleton holding his stick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although that was pretty <laughs> funny. Um, no, uh, so... Yeah, so the camp is open. Uh, I think what we're going to see is Drouin playing at least four of the games and trying a different line in each game to see mm-hmm. how he fits in with these guys and to get his legs under him. Well, camp's going to be very interesting to see because with all the changes in the off season, especially on wing, uh, it's going to be like uh, you've always mentioned, Ducharme likes to have two players together at all times. So you got yeah. Suzuki and Caulfield. Uh, you had Gallagher and Deneau. And you had Toffoli for a while with Cotton Emmy. And then he moved up to, he played with kind of everybody too. Toffoli did. But uh, um, so it'd be interesting to see who he pairs up. Now we, I can almost guarantee Caulfield and Suzuki are staying together. Um yeah. I like the idea of Gallagher and Dvorak because even though Dvorak came in when Kotniemi left, he is more of a Dano replacement than a Kotniemi replacement. If anyone's going to replace Kotniemi, it's going to be Evans and Paling. Um, so this, for me, this uh, preseason or this training camp, it's going to be more seeing who Deshar matches up with who and where the chemistry sets. I mean, we're sitting right now at winger depth that we haven't had since I don't know when. Um, I mean, we have literally four lines that could potentially have a 20 goal scorer on each line. Some of them with two or three 20 goal scorers. Um, okay. Leaf fans who listen, don't be like, I know what you're thinking. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look, if you look realistic at it to Foley Gallagher and, uh, Anderson and Huffman are all potential 30 goal scorers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gallagher is also a proven 30-goal scorer. He's done it a couple Correct. of times. So, so is Toffoli and Huffman. Yeah. Uh, Anderson, he's a, I think he's a fringe 30-goal scorer, a, a healthy season with a good setup guy on his line. Yeah. He can, he can pop 30 goals. He's not going to get mm-hmm. you – he might get you 50 points, but he's definitely going to pop you 30 goals. Um, now, on this a little bit more, we'll, we'll get – we're going to talk a little bit about the rookie camp. There's going to be some guys coming up that they're going to get the chance, but let's be honest. You look at the wings. You just mentioned all these guys that could score anywhere from 20 to 30 goals. Uh, you get to the bottom line, uh, the fourth line, and you've got guys like Byron, Lekkanen, uh, Armia. All three are guys who can easily give you 15 goals on a fourth line role. So nobody's going to be breaking through up front, but on the back end, we're going to be seeing some, uh, some, some new faces. Um, Norlander, Gooley, they're both on the main camp. Uh, anyone who's watched the rookie camp will see that 
there is a lot of good points to their games, but there's some warts on those games. Like um, Gooley, he's 19. He's a big physical guy, and you can almost see him morphing into a Shea Weber-style defenseman, which uh, is great. J.D. JD Larange. Is it Larange? Larange? Larange, yeah. Say his name right. Larange. He actually did an article saying that Caden Gooley's the second coming of Shea Weber. Uh, just the way he plays the game, his size, the way he hits, uh, his first pass, his shot, uh, all is a young. He even compared stats from the juniors together, and they're very eerily similar. Um, I personally think Caden Gooley is going to go back to the Prince Albert Raiders. 100%. Uh, 100%. He's going to be the captain. Rumors say he's going to be the captain of the World Junior Hockey Championship team. He's the captain uh, of his junior teams as well. He's captain of his junior team, and they think – if and when he makes a world junior, they're going to make, he was, a, he was an alternate captain last year. They yeah. believe he, he'll be a returning captain, a returning player plus captain this year. Um, however, I think he's going to get a long look in camp. He's going to get a very long look in camp. And I do believe once the C, his uh, WHL season wraps up, you'll probably see him in Laval uh, to end the season off. Oh yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. guaranteed. Um, <clears throat> Norlander. Norlander is everything the Canadians, fans, media, and whatever want in a top four defender offensively. Yeah, he looked very slick when he had the puck on his stick. He was making the he was making excellent plays. He has a good shot, uh, skates so smoothly. I mean, oh, watching him uh, watching him move, it's just it's like melted butter. It was just yeah. beautiful. But now take the puck away from him. Exactly. And you stick him in his own zone. Now, mind you, I don't think he played that bad defensively in the second game against Ottawa than he did in the first game. Nope. And not that he played bad defensively, because him and Gooley, I thought, in the first game had issues to start. Maybe it's playing with each other. I'm not sure. But uh, as the game went on, Gooley got better. And Norlander, the problem with Norlander is he doesn't make first contact. He doesn't... Uh, close the gap quick enough on the defensive side of it and he has issues winning board battles uh so when i read that and i see that it reminds me of a certain favorite nhl defenseman of mine that was used to play for montreal named victor mete uh only uh new orlander has the offense that mete didn't have and he's a little bit bigger um now mete in to his defense he played well defensively so, he was a good positional player. He could move the player off to the boards. Uh, the problem with uh, Mete is when it got tight, he didn't have the strength to, no. uh, to, to, to defend the front of the net. He didn't have the strength to win the board battle. But he was very good at, at, at uh, angling players off away from good scoring chances. Now, Norlander so, uh, has some of that style, but you yes. can tell that – with the tighter, uh, the tighter gaps, the tighter spaces, because it's North American size rinks mm-hmm. versus the European size rinks. His timing's a little off. His, his, uh, his spatial awareness is a little off. He needs, a, he needs more time to acclimatize to that size rink. And then I'm sure he'll be fine, but he still needs some seasoning. He, Norlander's a tricky one because he signed his entry-level contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
if he doesn't play in Montreal, he has to go back to Forlunda, the Swedish Hockey League. Well, there, there's an option where he could go to Laval. It's his decision if he does. And then there's a, a transfer fee that goes to Forlunda. But it's such a, a minuscule option that, yeah, he's going to end up in Forlunda if he doesn't go to Montreal. He'll, well, he'll end up in Forlunda. But, I mean... That's my expectation as well. The Forlunda, the GM of Forlunda, I, I, I just wrote an article the other last week there on Norlander and why he should go back to the SHL and not. Um, if he goes back to Sweden, he's going to get top 20 minutes or top four. He's going to get top pairing minutes on, yep. on for London. He's going to be quarterback in the top power play. Uh, he's going to get the time to work on the defensive side because for London, the GM of for London and the GM and the coach of for London both say they know what his weaknesses are and they want to work with him to improve them. Right. Uh, for London wants him back for sure. Yep. Uh, and, uh, uh, so I think one more year over there working on his defense, don't get me wrong. He's not going to be the, if he's going to be like anyone, he's going to be like PK Subban. He's going to be okay defensively, but he's going to be a treat to watch offensively. And that, that's what I think he's going to be. I think okay. he's going to be a little, I think he's going to be a little safer with the puck than what PK Subban was. Uh, I just think defensively, he's not the guy you're going to rely on defensively behind him. Pair him up with a Romanov in a year or two, and I think that could be a good pairing. It's going to be like a PK with Markov. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just using those as comparisons. Now, Romanov is so, a guy that I'm really excited to watch in the main camp because he's the guy that I think now that he's going into a second year and the Canadians really need a mobile defenseman who can make a good first pass in a top four role. He's that guy that can take over that spot. I mean, you've got Edmondson, who's going to be paired with Petrie. Yeah. Petrie's the puck mover on the top pair. Yeah. Then the second pair, it's Savard. Guaranteed Savard. He is, he's a stay-at-home type. He's a very uh, defensive-minded defenseman. He's there to replace the uh, defensive minutes for, for Weber. Yeah. And Sherratt isn't really the best pairing for a guy like that. So that's where I think Romanov, they're kind of aiming for either Romanov or Norlander to step up into that role. I think Sherratt worked with Weber because Weber had that good first pass and yeah. Weber could uh, clear the zone. Savard and Sherratt are too much alike to be paired together. Now, I have a feeling Sherratt and Savard will be paired together to start just based on history. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh if norlander makes a team and i say if because really there's only one or two spots for someone to come in on the team for montreal uh you have because people got to remember you have matthew perot and cedric uh, paquette along with armia and lekanen and huffman and all these other guys that are chris weidman chris weidman uh there's someone that we haven't touched on either. Chris Weidman, who led the KHL in defensive scoring last year. Yep. Um, he's a right-handed shot though. So I don't see him. He's not going to pair with Savard. He's going to be a, bo- a, a bottom, a bottom pair. pair. Uh, I think I agree with you. I truly believe this is the year Romanov should step up into that top four role. And uh, Montreal should just live with the, peaks and av- uh, valleys that are going to come with his play as a second year uh, year player. I don't think they will to start, but I do believe as the season goes on, you're going to see Romanov take more of those minutes. 
Now, uh, I wrote about the Canadians needing to sign a defenseman on PTO. I mentioned Vatnin because I was thinking puck mover would be a better fit for taking over from Norlander when they sent him back to Europe. Instead, the Canadians went out and signed Cody Golubov to a PTO. Now, that name might sound familiar. He played for the Senators. He's a right-handed defenseman. He can move the puck fairly well, but he's that he's a depth guy. He's a seventh defenseman. So to me, this is kind of the insurance that they have where Norlander, yeah, you know, if he doesn't make it, fine, we'll send him to Europe, but we'll sign him. We'll sign uh, Golubov. We'll, we'll sit him in the press box. He's the kind of guy that you don't care if he's up in the press box for a month at a time, and neither will he. He will just show up. He'll play his third pairing minutes, quietly go about his job, earn his paycheck, be a good team, uh, team guy in the locker room, play his role, and there you go. See, I look at that. I don't think he makes a team only because if Weidman's there and he's already your right-handed defenseman, yeah. he's your bottom pair guy. You have Kulak there, yep. right? And I think they're going with eight defense. If, then if they're going with eight defense, Paling doesn't make the team and you're going with Cedric Paquette and Jake Evans as your centers with Matthew Perot as your, as your 13th forward. So, yep. You know me, I'm on the Paling making the team side of things. Uh, so I believe they're going to go with the seven defensemen and the, uh, and the uh, 14 forwards. And uh, that, that's what I think they're going to do personally. If, if they're going to go with your, uh, with you to uh, for paling to to make the team to push out that eighth defenseman to make the roster i think he's going to have to have a hell of a camp i think he will i think yeah, as long as his wrist is okay as long as his wrist is, yeah. is fully healed yeah um because there are there are caveats however i also think he's going to make the team because he's uh uh, uh waiver exempt so when byron comes back he's the easiest guy to send back down to laval and but if you keep him you still have to waive someone. No, not if you don't take that eighth defenseman. <laughs> See what I mean? So it's kind of, what do you want? Do you want the eighth defenseman or do yeah. you want the, that's just the way I look at it. Uh, who knows? Maybe Norlander becomes, makes Sherratt the eighth defenseman or something. I have no idea, but uh, we'll see what happens in camp. I mean, if Paling doesn't have a great start to his camp or have a great camp, he's not, uh, he's not going to make the team. And that that's going to be all on paper. Um, to me, it's not going to hurt Paling to have another year in Laval. Um, no, no. And he had so, a great year last year. He really, really yeah. stepped up his game. You can see it the second year as a pro. He, he really started to come out of his shell. Um, so it, it, if he doesn't make the team, I want him to make the team. I want him to have a great camp and be able to step into a third line role. <clears throat> who wouldn't six foot two, 205 pound centerman who can win face-offs. Why not? And I think, I think you could fit into what they were doing with cotton Emmy when you first came in. I think that would yep. work well for him. And An he's going to have good role. He's going to have good wingers. So he's going to have the advantage to, uh, to put up the points. Whereas when he played the 27 games uh, two years ago, he played as a winger on the fourth line and barely yeah. touched the puck. And it, it really, his game took a nosedive. Um, the only thing I'm worried about if Paling doesn't make the team is his attitude. What's his attitude going to be like 
because when he didn't make the team two seasons ago, he kind of had a little bit of an attitude about it. And yeah, I mean, he he really wanted to be on that team. So I get by, by attitude. I don't mean he was like, you know, fuck the Habs. He was more like, I thought I should have made the team. I don't yeah. know what I did wrong. You know, plus he had a concussion during the, the pre, preseason game, which kind of derailed his, his uh, training camp anyway. So yeah, we'll see what happens. So um, on, we're going to stick to Laval a little bit here. So today the news came out. Uh, Jesse Yalonen, he was, um, he was hesitant at getting, at, at taking the vaccine because someone in his family had an allergic reaction to uh, a vaccine a few years back. It's not the COVID vaccine. It was something else. Uh, Martin Daclat on uh, 91.8 FM and French language radio. Um, he's the one that got the information. He wasn't too clear on which vaccine it was or who it was in his family, but <clears throat> it was someone close enough and it made him hesitant. Uh but after sitting down with the team doctors and having it all explained to them and, you know, the safety, the efficacy that might've helped another reason that may have helped him change his mind would have because now he's taking the vaccine could have been the team saying, Hey, look, if you don't take it, we can't, uh, we can't play you. You can't travel down to the States. You're only going to play part-time. And we have plans for you to be in the NHL this year. So, jab, jab. Well, I, I look at Yolonen Yil- as uh, – I didn't have him on my top five players to make the Canadians throughout the season. I did an article on that, and I had a little about Rock. I didn't have Yolonen on it. And the reason I didn't have Yolonen on it is because he's a winger, and the Habs are so deep at wing. Yeah. I just didn't see. However, uh, according to Rob Ramage, there are plans for him to have some games in Montreal. Um I'd, so, I'd imagine it's injury call-ups. They, they know I, people are going to yes. get hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, I mean, if he doesn't get the vaccine, he can't play in the United States. So that means he's going to miss 40% of his game, Laval games and 33% of the Montreal games if he were to spend the entire season in Montreal. Um, so having said that, and if the NHL is kind of cutting – I mean, they've already seen an assistant coach, uh, Sylvain Lefebvre. He was told, relieved of his duties because he wouldn't get the vaccine. Um, apparently, the Carolina Hurricanes are all vaccinated, which I find surprising because they got Tony D'Angelo there, and I figured he'd be the poster boy for well, getting he, it done. He, uh, they played their trump card and made him uh, and told him, you, uh, you can't get paid <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> trump uh, card. I, uh, I see what you did there. <laughs> um, so... Uh, but, but it, it, I mean, you look down, you look down at, uh, down the line at other players who didn't get the opportunity to get vaccinated, like, uh, an Alex Stalock, who's not going to be playing for Edmonton this year, or at least starting be, or was it Edmonton or Detroit? Stalock's with Edmonton. I think. Yeah. So he's not starting the season because he has heart complications from COVID. So COVID, I, it, it's not just a flu. There is more to it. They're finding out that there's other secondary effects. And in this case, it, it created a, a, an issue with his heart and he's, he cannot play yet. So maybe something like that made, made him realize, Hey, you know, maybe, 
Maybe I'm just better off. Uh, actually, or, I just I just looked it up. He's probably going to miss the entire season. Yeah, with with so, condition. Yeah, and that's that's bad news. And he yeah. unfortunately he wasn't vaccinated in time because it, he got ill before it came out, and now there's there's lingering effects. So maybe that got him going. Maybe it was the the plain and simple bottom dollar that got him going. Either way, he chose to go, and that's good because now. The Canadians do have plans for him. He's a fast, he, he's very fast. He's a good winger. He can, he can score. He, he's solid defensively. There's room for him in this system. So good news. He's, he's getting it. He's another one of those young Canadian prospects who got their picture taken with me and now is having a successful career. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of success, and young players. Uh, the Canadians had their photos done today for the, uh, the, the media and all that stuff. You know, when they, you know, they post up their little pictures after they score a goal and stuff. Um, Toffoli's wearing an A. And Nick Suzuki is also wearing an A. So what do you, what do you make of that? Uh, I'm not going to make a lot of it. Uh, I'm pretty sure Petrie and Gallagher are keeping the Rays for the season. Um, to Foley, to me, wouldn't be a bad alternate. And who knows, maybe they're doing a uh, what they did uh, with the C there when Koivu was out with his uh, cancer, where they're just like, I think Kovalev had it for a little while, and then uh, somebody else had it for a while. And then maybe they're just going to take that third A and just switch it from uh, – put it on different players depending on the team or the time, or they're going to rotate it through a few players. Um, I wouldn't look too much into it right now. Uh, but to fully make sense. He's a guy who's fully Stanley make Cup. Sense to me. Yeah, and he's an he's, older player. He's a good veteran on the team. He's a good leader. He's a, he's a good leader in the, in the clubhouse. Uh, Suzuki. Sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have no issue giving a young player a, a, a responsibility like that. Uh, so you got to think too that i don't know i think this has this is playing into something i mean he's 22 it's rare that they give such a young player uh a leadership role so give him an a in his contract year when he just lost a different rfa i don't know that kind of to me it's kind of hey you're a big piece of this team we want you to know that here's an a oh by the way Mark wants to talk to you about your contract. Well, I, I truly believe they got to lock Suzuki up before the end of the season. So, yep. Uh, Cause he will be RFA'd by somebody because Montreal's finances next year are not going to be great. Um, yeah. Could be, could be, I don't know. Maybe everyone has an A. I don't know. I just saw pictures with DeFoley and Suzuki. So yeah. Uh, actually I saw the pictures to Foley. I read about Suzuki on the. I saw the picture. Twitter. You saw the picture? Okay. Yeah. I didn't officially see a picture with Suzuki with an A on it, but uh, I did see, I did see Tafoli's. Um, yeah. I, I wrote about uh, Suzuki needing to be t- locked up. So I'm going to say it here on the show. I put it in writing as well. I'm expecting, I, I would expect him to want an eight by eight. Well, and he could ask for that. That uh, Minnesota guy there, uh, Kripo yeah. Krasilov or whatever his name is. Five by nine and a half. Five by nine and a half. So 
You know whose fault all this is? Kyle Dubas. Because he flinched. Because he flinched on William Nylander and threw all that money out at him. And so now every little RFA guy is like, well, if I don't get, I scored 22. Well, actually, I mean, this kid scored 20 some odd goals in a shortened season at 23. He was on pace for 30 some odd. But is he really worth nine and a half million after one good season? I don't think so. They gave 6.1 million to a guy who scored five goals last year. It's true. That's true. So this nine and a half for a 30 prorated season, that's a deal. Of course, Montreal gave five and a half to Josh Anderson, who had one goal the year before. So, who was then on pace for what thirty this year, this past year? Twenty-seven, I think. Oh, only twenty-seven. Only twenty-seven. Garbage. Ask, hey, ask the ask the analytical uh, um, Tiger Club there. They hate Josh Anderson. So that just tells me right there he's a good player. Correct. Uh, all right. So I think we've covered everything we're going to cover for this episode. Uh, we could have done more with Matt, but the poor bugger got stuck working. Damn so Air Force. Says. So he says. So he says. Um, we are going to come back with another show this weekend. It's going to be an, the, I'm really looking forward to this one. We're going to have a special guest. Uh, Jack Han's going to be coming onto the show. He's going to talk about certain players. He's done in-depth analysis on several Montreal Canadians and, We'll talk about that. So uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we have a new sponsor uh, as part of the final thoughts. We have a new sponsor, Lift Life. Uh, they're, uh, they're sponsoring us. Uh, you, you could use our code HABS10 to save 10% off Lift Life apparel. Uh, if you're wondering why Lift Life, well, just look at Treg. He, he lives the lift life. <laughs> uh, also, Built Bar. Uh, go use Unfiltered20 to save 10% at BuiltBar.com. Um, Unfiltered20 at East Coast Lifestyle to save yourself 20% off all East Coast Lifestyle apparel. And uh, remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Arms today. Not a real project, mate. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use, if you're healthy, if you want to loyalty, buy a dog.
did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast nbc sports Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.